Hello, friends. Welcome to Understanding Kindness, a podcast hosted by me, Danny. I'm someone who approaches life by learning from everyone around me, and I've decided to write it all down and talk about it here with you. I've learned that in order to create change in this world, we need to understand ourselves and the world around us, all while infusing kindness into everything we do. If I can do it, you can do it, and we can do it together. Welcome to Understanding Kindness. Hey buds, I'd like to talk to you about happiness today. I'll get down and dirty into the nuances of happiness, why it's so difficult to find, and hopefully get us to a place where we can strive for everyone's happiness. We'll talk society, capitalism, and conditioning. So if you're intrigued and want a bit more happiness in your life, keep listening. Let's go. Okay, so for our native segment, I'd like to give an update on line three. Be forewarned, it's not looking great. I mean, we've seen this happening for a while now, especially over the past year as construction has ramped up. Currently, tar sands oil is still not flowing through the pipes, but that doesn't mean the water has not been polluted. If you'll remember from previous native segments, Line 3 crosses over 200 bodies of water, including the Mississippi headwaters. Every day that construction continues and pipelines are not shut down, the chance of damaging the water climbs. Whether it's a frack out or a burst pipe or the clearing of land to support the construction of these pipelines, the water, land, and all of their inhabitants pay the actual price. And the indigenous warriors on the front lines have been screaming this for years and years. In northern Minnesota, where the Gnu Collective and the White Earth Tribe have been protesting the construction of Line 3 since the beginning, the White Earth Tribe issued a permit to allow scientists to assess the Shell River waters and life since the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources had refused to do so thus far. The results showed that animal life, specifically the mussels, which grow there in the largest inland mussel population in the upper Mississippi region, are dying out. The Anishinaabe have also expressed concern about the dying of the manumen, or wild rice, that has fed their people for generations. Not only is Line 3, even before its actual operation starts up, polluting the water herself, as a result of this, the species calling the water their home are dying out, and when life dies out, our resources for us to stay alive dwindle. Natives have been protecting our Mother Earth, her land, and her waters for millennia. Things were going swimmingly before colonizers began asserting their unfounded and actually non-existent authority over natives and the land. At every turn thus far, white people have turned their backs on the screams of natives who are fighting for our Mother Earth. Possibly in the past, there was less coverage and these struggles were less visible, but we really do not have any excuses now. Our Earth is being killed by white supremacist capitalists who think they can do whatever they want at no cost to them. Turns out we're all going to die in the end, and even sooner, if we continue to do nothing to stop this. Indigenous warriors have been at this for forever, and we need to listen to their wisdom and calls to action. On StopLine3.org, there are a plethora of ways that you can support the Indigenous leaders on the front lines, including donating directly to the front lines, divesting your money from banks funding the pipelines, organizing ways to support and educate, and more. I'll link this page in the show notes so you can access all the ways to support these warriors. Yo, it's patron time. Hey, hey, patrons. Thank y'all for your unwavering support. I appreciate you times infinity. If you'd like to support the show, visit Patreon for monthly donations or PayPal for one-time or recurring donations. There'll be links for both in those episode notes. Okay, peeps, we're talking about happiness today. 
Before I begin, I'd like to thank Mazel for pulling me out of my comfort zone on this one, giving me some great ideas for discussion, and encouraging me along the way. You have them to thank for much of this episode. All right, now, in order for us to figure out if happiness is a choice, and if it is, how we can choose to be happy, we've got to discuss all the nuances of happiness within the society we live in. And since I am from the so-called United States, specifically the Great Lakes region, I can only speak to my experience within U.S. culture and society and living my entire life on this specific stolen land. We live in white supremacist racial capitalism in the so-called U.S., and this affects all of our happiness levels to varying degrees for a variety of different reasons. BIPOC and marginalized people are disempowered all the time in this society, and it affects our self-esteem, our understandings of ourselves, our understandings of others, and our understandings of the world, mostly in ways that lead us to be unhappy. This society is incredible at doing this, and we can't blame ourselves for not being able to be happy, or not being able to choose happiness. The only way that we'll ever be able to truly be happy is if we begin by giving ourselves the space and acceptance necessary to understand that we are not to blame for our unhappiness. We all desperately want to be happy. Don't you think if it were that easy, we'd all have just done it already? The society does not cause people to be happy. In fact, it does the exact opposite and sells you the idea that you can buy happiness. It's actually so great at doing that that we're all being subject to it all of the time and we go along with it most of the time. How else would we be here right now? I'm gonna go off on a tangent real quick about money. Here we go. Many of us do not have to buy food, meaning we have the capability to grow our own food for free, essentially, yet we're sold the idea that we must go to a grocery store to buy food in order to stay alive. Weird. And I mean, sure, many of us do not have the time and energy required to grow our own food. We've got lives and kids and jobs and partners and relationships. I get it. However, there is one thing in that list that isn't really like the others. Can you guess which one? Our jobs! Yes, the place where we earn that sweet, sweet money to buy that food we need in order to keep living by working for someone else who pays you a fraction of what you're actually worth. <clears throat> yeah, that one's a real-time energy suck. I don't know about you. After I'm done working, I don't want to do much else but relax and recuperate. So, yeah, putting in all the effort to grow a garden is pretty low on my list at that point. And I don't know about you. After I'm done hanging out with my loved ones and living my life, I usually feel energized and want to spend more time doing things and being with people who I love and will enhance my life. Perhaps I might want to start a community garden with those people. Who knows? Anyway, all this to say, money is unnecessary, and we're literally being sold on the idea that we need money in order to live, which I've just proven that for many of us is not true, since our sustenance can be made for free if we work together and grow our own food. This can literally be applied to anything, especially our necessities for life, including food, water, shelter, clothing, and love. How else would our species have survived this long without capitalism if we couldn't survive without them? How does any species exist outside of capitalism? So now we've established that you cannot buy happiness because buying things is an idea that is sold to us. That must mean that we've somehow got to find it within ourselves or within nature. Again, this is very difficult to do in this society, even when we know this fact. 
We're still receiving messages from society about ourselves all of the time, and they impact us whether we want them to or not. Knowing that the ways in which our society disempowers and harms BIPOC and marginalized people leads to their unhappiness can show us how integral it is that we do change society. And how do we change society? We've got to change ourselves. We are society. Whether we want to think of ourselves as individuals, independent from and unsusceptible to the swaying of society or not, we are part of society and extremely susceptible to its swaying because... We're social creatures who need to get along with the group in order to survive. We are very swayable. We need to give each other and ourselves some grace there. It's not our faults that we're unhappy. Another quick tangent. We are very swayable. When we become aware of this fact, though, we can begin to use this knowledge to change society so we stop perpetuating harm. I think this is a place we can all get to when we've at least begun our journey towards happiness. Ironically enough, helping out community and changing society in ways that will overall lead to everyone's happiness will help us become happier as well. Funny how that stuff seems to work together. This really is a lesson that is learned from looking at any BIPOC or marginalized community. We've always had to stick together and help out one another because this society disempowers us on the reg. Many times our communities are our only sources of happiness in this late-stage racial capitalistic white supremacist Christian hegemonic cishet normative patriarchal society. So, anyway, we've got to change ourselves in order to change society. Since we know that we're very swayable creatures, we can use this knowledge to help society along by being unswayed by the societal norms. We can stand up to those pressures or at least approach them with the understanding that those who are upholding and applying those pressures are unhappy too and cannot find the way out. Perhaps they don't have a community that will support them no matter what. Perhaps they're scared that others won't accept them for who they are. There are a huge variety of reasons why people succumb to societal pressures and perpetuate them themselves. We've been conditioned in almost every facet of our lives, and it is a miracle we're able to find happiness when we can. It speaks to our humanity and our own nature that we understand there is more, even when we haven't truly seen it. Deep within our beings, we know that this society is not true happiness. Look around us. There are signs everywhere. People are screaming it. Everywhere. We know this is not happiness. We've just been gaslit and conditioned our whole lives by wealthy white supremacist patriarchal capitalists so that we continue doing their dirty work for them so they can have some quote-unquote fun. I guess there is some solace in knowing that they're miserable too, though it turns infuriating real quick when you realize that that's even more reason to stop this fucked up stuff that we call a society in the so-called U.S. I mean, there's obviously a reason that it hasn't stopped yet. It is difficult, especially since we're so comfortable and used to it. It takes lots of work and unlearning. Let's be honest. White people, like myself, have been upholding the society the most. We benefit from it. We've been told our whole lives that we're worth more than other people. Maybe not exclusively to our faces, but in every aspect of our lives otherwise. Maybe you get more and quicker attention while at the DMV. Maybe you don't get pulled over for speeding, even when you were going 20 over the speed limit. Maybe your pain is believed the first time you express it. No one is explicitly saying that we're better or more worthy of these things, but when you realize that BIPOC and other marginalized people aren't treated the same, it starts to make sense how the society runs and how it harms BIPOC and marginalized folks. Here's a third tangent. 
Like I mentioned before, those wealthy white supremacist patriarchal capitalists at the top of all these hierarchies are miserable too, and they probably hate themselves even more than those who they've positioned beneath them. This doesn't just apply to them as rulers over this capitalistic society. It applies to anyone at the top of any hierarchy, like, say, a white supremacist hierarchy. Now, I'm not saying in any sense that being white or at the top of any hierarchy is more difficult than being relegated to a position beneath anyone else. I'm saying, deep down, they hate themselves for this very reason, even if they're not able to pinpoint it. Positioning ourselves as better than or above anyone else here on Earth is humanity's greatest fault, in my humble opinion. It's a poisoned fate. Sure, it seems cool that you get more stuff than anyone ever could have imagined. It just comes at the cost of everyone else's freedom and right to live. There's the poison. And for some reason, white people have been just fine going along with this for literal centuries, if not millennia. We've been poisoned by this greed. It causes us to poison everyone else and keeps us blind to the suffering we're causing others, and even ourselves. And deep inside, we all know something's not quite right. Of course, it's more obvious to those who are oppressed because they're looking it right in the face every single day. It's not as easy to see, for white people, that we'd all benefit from completely restructuring our society. And that starts with unlearning these problematic mindsets we've been taught our entire lives— now, I don't mean to shock you, but when I say that these mindsets have reached their tendrils into every aspect of our lives, I mean it. And also, when I say our entire lives, I mean that too. For many of us, some of the earliest mindsets we learn are based around gender. At least in the so-called United States, many of us are gendered before we've even taken our first breath. With the ability to see genitalia on an ultrasound, we've gained the ability to gender our society's children before they've even left that sweet, warm, cozy womb. And the harmful mindsets do not stop there. I won't go into all of the conditioning that U.S. society enforces on us from our conception because it's almost endless. Let your imagination run wild with all the ways in which society has trained us. It can be difficult at first to realize you've been lied to and told that you're not worthy for a wide variety of differing reasons for each of us. It's something all of us who know better have had to go through. It is possible, and it does get easier. In fact, it becomes liberating. Once you wrap your mind around the fact that we're lied to all the time, finding out a new way that you're being gaslit can be exciting because it's a new way to enlighten and inform your understanding of the world and of your own happiness. In order for us to understand happiness, we've got to understand our full range of emotions. We've got to experience our full range of emotions. This society teaches us that quote-unquote negative emotions are bad and we shouldn't feel them. You know which ones I'm talking about. Sadness, anger, fear, even disgust. These are four of the six basic human emotions that we feel as human beings, and the other two are happiness and surprise. I think it's quite clear which of these emotions our society upholds and which ones it admonishes, and it does this in a very intentional way. By casting these quote-unquote negative emotions in a role that makes them seem unnecessary and harmful to our well-being, we actively enforce that these are bad emotions to have, and we actively silence those who are strong enough to feel these emotions and give us the warning signs about the harmful aspects of our society. And those who are out here feeling all of their emotions are the ones with the real pulse on society. Their emotions convey how it's harmful to us all. We've all got to get back in touch with our emotions, myself included. 
I've spent time in my life chasing happiness, feeling that it was always just out of reach. When I finally found a glimpse of it, I strove for it with full force and now see how I've left other emotions by the wayside. I did find some type of happiness, but it hasn't been true happiness. I haven't been experiencing other emotions in their full like I used to. I've been pushed and beaten by society, telling me that other emotions need not be felt. They can be passed by on your upward climb to happiness. But society has lied to me. This happiness that I've been feeling, sure, it feels better than the active depression I was in, but it has come at the cost of all of my other emotions. I've got to relearn how to truly feel my wide range of emotions. We all do. We need to give ourselves the space and acceptance necessary to understand that we are not to blame for our unhappiness, and we can learn again how to be happy. We can learn how to feel again. And ultimately, when we give ourselves this grace, we can give it to others, and we can all begin on our journey to really finding happiness. Happiness is actively gay-kept from us, and unfortunately, it's up to us to change society in order to allow all of our happiness. It's easier to do this work when we understand some of these fundamental ways in which our society works. Understanding that it's made to bring us down and make us feel unhappy so that it can continue to sell us happiness can allow us, especially as white people, the courage necessary to be ourselves and help one another. The courage to combat these societal norms and structures that disempower BIPOC and marginalized folks. We cannot be truly happy unless all of us are free from the societal pressures and norms that make us hate ourselves and one another. White people have the largest role in upholding these structures and hierarchies, so we are the ones who need to step up the most. Understanding that the society is constantly lying to us and making us miserable can help us along on this path. It's not our faults for being unhappy, but unfortunately it is on us to restore our own happiness and dismantle society so as to stop causing this harm in the first place. BIPOC and marginalized people are the most knowledgeable about this as the oppressed always have more insight into oppression than the oppressors do. We can listen to these communities and take the actions they are asking of us. Ultimately, anarchy is the solution to all systems of oppression and hierarchies. So, start dismantling these oppressive structures and hierarchies in your mind, and then start fighting to dismantle the very society that created them in the first place. We all have a role here, and we can all step up to help ensure happiness for us all. Use the privileges you do have to make some change. You can start by just allowing yourself to feel all of your emotions. Get back in touch with them, and perhaps you'll find happiness a little more often. Use this happiness to propel you forward in continuing to create change within society. Stop perpetuating the harm that causes us all to be unhappy in the first place. We have it within ourselves to do this, and it must come from ourselves because we create society. It is possible. We all just have to start. Boom. It's recommendation time. I'd like to recommend this article that came out yesterday on Kevlar, titled, It's Okay to Be Angry. Judaism Says So. In it, Kate Hennessy talks about why we need anger and how it is useful. It touches on the concept of happiness by highlighting our anger that allows us to fight for more. I'll link it in the show notes. We've got Stopline3.org from our native segment telling us about ways to take action in protest against Enbridge's Line 3 oil pipeline. I'll link the page to access these actions and the article to read up on the state of Shell River in the episode notes. 
If you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. All this content is free and I'd love to make it my job one day. So if you're financially able, join our Patreon or send a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. You can also share an episode with family or friends and give UK a kind rating and review. Check out understandingkindness.com for all episodes, transcripts, and blog posts. And why not take a listen to my other podcast, Better When Awkward, co-hosted by my childhood best friend, Jasmine. Get in touch with me by emailing understandingkindness at protonmail.com or through social media. You can find all links in the episode notes. For now, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, and question everything. I'll be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Understanding Kindness.